G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash Keldon and Stephen Johnson for Kubota. Together, we are building Australia. Today's seven sport did you welcome from Melbourne, the Garden State Capital. We're in town for the long awaited Castrol 500 at Sandown. The spacious 3.9 kilometre layout is located on the Princes Highway at Springvale, 26k southeast of the city, and from its 10,000 seat grandstand to the pits, Sandown is the Ritz. Yes, it is retro round. Oh. <laughs> Mikey oh, Raymond. Mikey. How good. <laughs> with his red jacket on. No Absolutely. Doubt. Crompton with his red jacket, the yep. red jacket brigade. How good. I mean, they were the days when I was a kid as a fan that got me roped in. There was never live coverage. Yep. You always got it at 10.30 at night or whatever, and it was Mikey <laughs> Raymond and, and all the guys there talking about the Kings with wings and all that. It's just sensational. Absolutely Sorry, sensational. Sorry, I, like, I love retro round. Yeah, I love the retro round as well. Like, it's just... It's cool because you see so many different liveries come out and, and ones that you you almost forget about, you know, sure. and then you look at it and you go, oh, how good was that thing? That's you know? right, yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, obviously we're going to get on to talking a little bit about it later on, but some of the liveries that are coming out are just Red absolutely hot. primo. Yep, absolutely agree. It is. Uh, there have been some... Uh, you're right, it is kind of cool to sort of see all the throwbacks and just the blast of the past that you sort of see. In, in fact, on, you talk about uh, Sa- you loving Sandown for the retro round, Steve. I thought you were going to say it's because they used your Shell Helix livery on uh, one of the DJR Team Penske cars <laughs> back a few years ago. They did, they did, and it was it was a blast from the past. And uh, I, it's just like, you know, even going back a few uh, times where they've run the retro livery and, and trade, like, sort of transferred it to Bathurst. You yep. know, like we've, yeah, we've run popular D- ones like Walkinshaw did. Walkinshaw did, DJR did with the yep. true blue and the greens tough. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, it's just, I just love the effort that it goes to. And I'm sure, you know, it, it is an, don't get me wrong, it is an effort. It is a massive effort yep. from the race teams, from the commercial side of the race teams sure. to agree for these companies, all these big companies to do it. And, you know, I'd love to talk to Brad Jones about this later on in the show because uh, he can give us a really good insight into just how hard it is to make this sort of thing work for one round. Yeah, because I remember you actually ran a retro livery once too where it was the old old school shell one, but it had the Wilson Security um, branding on it. Yes. And for, for essentially to tell a brand, hey, we kind of want to use your sponsorship on another company, if that's all right, with their colours, yeah, it must easy. be bloody hard. <laughs> well, that was that was the livery. That was the 1994 livery. So it was uh, uh, basically all yellow, blue at the back, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, had just a just a couple of little blend colours in the in the middle, which was sort of on an angle. But yeah, essentially, you know, like it was. You're right. It was like the shell the shell FAI colours back then. Yeah, and uh, you're running it on a Wilson Security, which was our sponsor at the time. Um, their colours are. A white and green, and yeah. the, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. So totally different. Not easy. I also love boys that it, it sort of transfers not only from 
supercar, but some of the support categories do yeah, it. Like, you yeah. look at the couple of Toyota 86 boys yep. and girls. Benny Grice got... has done a cracking Coke, yep. Coke sort of takeoff of the livery. Yep. So I think I think uh, we see it in AFL. Uh, I think we see it in NRL. I think it's been a, a yeah, really good thing. the heritage sort of. Yeah. The heritage rounds. I think yep. it's been a really good thing for supercars to do. And everyone gets in the spirit and dresses up and all the pit crew do and the camera people and the teams and all that kind of stuff. I, I, some of the liveries this week have been... The well, Erebus one is sensational, yeah. as always. That We did... Uh, which I will touch on quickly is we have seen up until this point, uh, Red Bull they yep. wouldn't wouldn't actually didn't want to change their livery, mm-hmm. didn't want to change their logo. So the team would go to as much effort as they could mm. to change their coats uh, and coats hats and hats crew and crew and, yep. uniforms and all that sort of stuff. So um, it just goes to show it's not not easy to get across the line. No, definitely not. But uh, it's also a bit of sadness too because this is going to be the last time. We're not. We're obviously going to be seeing another round at Sandown in the future, but it's the last time we're going to be seeing it as an enduro with the 500k race obviously moving to the bend next year. Uh, it's just going to be a 200-kilometer two-race super sprint next year. Yeah, and everyone I've spoken to up and down pit lane and everyone I've spoken to from a fan point of view, no one is, is a fan of this decision. No. Um, which has got nothing to do with Tail and Bend in the sense that they've done an amazing job over there, the Shaheen family, and built it. And we've both raced yep. there, and it's just a sensational facility. But I don't know, Sandown has a real place in people's heart. And the Sandown 500, it was its thing. And, you know, we've gone away. We went to Phillip Island. We went to QR, all that sort of stuff. But it always comes back. And who knows? It might come back again in the future, but I think changeable weather, um, always great racing. First of the Enduros, no one's been a fan of Bathurst kicking it off this year. So Yeah, the good thing about Sandown is it's such a short lap. It's only about a minute 10, minute 11 lap, uh, even a bit quicker in qualifying. Yep. So it brings in other elements that places like Bathurst doesn't and Gold Coast doesn't, although Gold Coast is still a fairly short track. Um, it... it it really is hard, especially if you're just back that little bit yep. um, from the leaders. You know, like even P6, P7, very easy to go a lap down yep. within strategy. So a lot of tricky strategy come, in, come into play at Sandown just to keep you on the lead lap and keep you in the race. Uh, so, you know, I think you're not going to see that at Talon Bend. No. Talon no. Bend's quite a long track. Um, it's going to be, I think... You know, I love I love the facility, Emily. I just don't think the racing is going to be as exciting. Yeah, it, it, it is a great facility. And as I've, I've mentioned many times this show, that it's one of the best Hungry Jacks I've ever been to in the country. But, <laughs> but you and will, you, And you've been to a few. Exactly. And But we will, of course, miss the history. A couple of milestones uh, to tick off for, at this week's round. Uh, it's Davey Reynolds' 150th Supercars Championship round start. Scotty Pye also celebrates his 100th Virgin Australian Supercars Championship round at Sandown. And Erebus. And Team 18 also celebrate their 100th round. And speaking of both of those two, um, well, we'll take out Erebus there. But Scotty Pye, uh, sensationally during the week, announced that he will be he'll be leaving Walkinshaw, which Shepherds is gone. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But then again, there's going to be t- two spots available at Walkinshaw and Ready United. We obviously think Jazz is going to go there. That's probably the worst kept secret up and down pit lane. Mm. Uh, what's the skinny? Stevie Scoop, anyone well, that you know that's slated to go to WAU? I'm thinking a uh, young driver. I'm thinking something like the, the Will Brown yep. and possibly even the Bryce Forward. I think Bryce Forward really deserves a main game drive with really? what he's done in that Nissan uh, this year, winning the Super 2 Championship. I think he's just been that class above everybody. 
And I think, you know, one of those two drivers would be very suited to fill that seat uh, if that's the way that they wanted to go. Because I'd heard that there was a potential Will Brown seat at Erebus for a third car. Yeah, okay. With a share deal with another driver. Yep. So there's the, the music hasn't stopped no, yet. No. Um, I, I know that there are a bunch of people circling and there's only a couple of chairs. So uh, it's going to be very interesting when it does stop. Um I think it's fairly well known again, possibly the worst kept secret that JLB, Jack LeBrock, yep. has left Techno. They've announced that, and he's more than likely going to fill Chazzy's seat at Tickford. Um, I think they Matty, I'm not surprised. We, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, if we see Webby in the car in Newcastle, to be quite honest. It's, it's a bit frosty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like after after the Gold Coast, mark, where they it? well, they, it's a big mark. <laughs> it's, a t- it's got a touch of the marks about it. When you when when your main when your co-driver, who is also the team boss and owner, benches you from qualifying at the Gold Coast Six Hundred, and uh, says it publicly that we can't get any worse, so yeah. I'd rather go. Yeah, that's kind of that's. Wow, that's, that's icy. That is very very yeah, icy yeah. there. But, but that that's to be a, fair, if I was JLB, I'd probably go. I think Christ, there's less laps from in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. I mean, it's... I'll go and have a pie early. There's nothing nothing worse, I don't think, than trying to work in any work environment. And I've worked in a couple of work environments where you don't get along with the boss and it's Mm. frosty as, and that's inside and outside of motorsport. I've been in that for situation and it's terrible. Mm. So I would imagine imagine that that would have been a, a very... Difficult phone call to take for JLB because I reckon you're right, Steve. I reckon you've just gone. You are a pack of clowns. I'm mm. out of here. Do what yep. you want. Do mate. Do what you got to do. See you, mate. Yep. So um, I'm going. I'm going to a Mustang to the front of the grid. <laughs> See you, mate. Well, before we uh, wrap up, we do have have a quick look at the updated Penrite Power Rankings. The driver's seat. Penrite Power Rankings. Penrite Oil. Australian owned and made since 1926. They're also a proud sponsor of this, the next round, which is, of course, the mm. Penrite Oil Sandown 500. But let's have a look at the leaderboard uh, before the Sandown 500. I've, I've just written in our run sheet before the sand. Probably forgot to <laughs> finish up the rest. Leaderboard before the sand. <laughs> I can see that. I was thinking oh, about. I was thinking about Did the your bend. keyboard break. I was thinking about the bend. <laughs> You're thinking about Abu Dhabi, the <laughs> next coming Formula One races. <laughs> but uh, our leaderboard before uh, the Sandown 500 is Scott McLaughlin on 45 votes. Shane Van Gisbergen shoots up the chart on 26. Still a fair while away from. <laughs> so he's only a thousand miles away then. Just, yeah, just east. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was looking at them Nimsy, and then I did a quick summary in my head, which is very boy, quick oh and basic. I thought I could smell something burning. Yeah, yeah. So for Sandown, you know how we've obviously got a co-driver qualifying race, a main driver qualifying race, and then the Sandown Five Hundred. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Yep. Are we giving points for any of the qualifying races, or oh. is it just the Sandown Five Hundred, which is which would be six points? Please six just points. make it the Sandown Five Hundred. Oh, too you, much yeah, maths. Can you otherwise. stop? <laughs> Like you no, invited just, you in. I'm, look what happened last time we had a Johnson in the studio that wasn't you. We go to double points. Now you want to come in and throw this? I'm just no. asking because you, if mate. that's the case, Scotty Max already won <laughs> the Penrite Power Rankings because there's only a t- total of 12 points left for the rest of the year. See you, mate. <laughs> See you. <laughs> yeah, but you can check See out you, the mate. the rest of the leaderboard on our website. But that was the Penrite Power Rankings. Thanks to Penrite All, Australian owned and trusted for more than 90 years. This is the driver's seat for Kubota, building Australia. Yeah, welcome back to the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, and together we're building Australia. And I tell you what, Matty Mack, our good mates at Kubota are also 
quite good mates with uh, our next guest because we've seen a fair bit of Kubota branding on a certain ZB Commodore in the past couple of months. We have. We have, we have, we have. We saw uh, we had Kubota on Nick Perkat's car in Darwin, mm-hmm. and I think that was extended to New Zealand and then again to Bathurst. Yep. And uh, in recent times... Uh, they've, they've had a bit of a relationship going on there, which has been really good because then um, Brad was kind enough to, to put the Kubota back on the car at the Gold Coast as well. So, uh, yes, he is a bit of a... He's part of the family, so to speak, part he's, of the Kubota family. He certainly is. He's also part of the driver's seat family too. He, able, he put us up very nicely at Bathurst for our little Bathurst special too, so we really appreciate that. But he did. you want to talk about some ripping liveries. Brad Jones Racing have absolutely won themselves for Retro Round. So let's get the man himself... Please welcome back to the driver's seat, Brad Jones. Hey, guys. Hello, mate. Congratulations on a big week because it has been your, your PR department, the, uh, the fax machine has been on fire, <laughs> spitting out releases and photographs and announcements that your, your boy is uh, coming back again. McCauley Jones got another run for another year and Nick's in the team still. And it's all happening at Brad Jones Racing, isn't it? Yeah, there's a bit going on. And, and then, of course, there's the, you know, the retro livery, which we had a a fair bit of discussion about and um, um, but I was pretty excited to be able to bring back you know the Aussie Mile colours I think I'm you know excited about Mac having another year it's you know as Stevie knows it's really really daunting and tough and so the first year your rookie year is always a tough one and so for for um, the Blanchards to give him an opportunity to run through his second year is pretty exciting stuff and um, and then of course you know the Aussie Mile look like cars so so we were a bit hamstrung with Freightliner because, you know, the, the, most companies won't let you mess with their brand at all. But mm-hmm, sure. um, Blanchard's were pretty good with the red and the white. And so the white car really looks like the Aussie Mail car. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Well, I actually noticed that as well. But the when you when you go through it, Brad, I mean, is it, let's just explain to us, because I mean, I know being in the industry for a while, and, and Manny does as well, but uh, just how hard it is, like a job for yourself to get this sort of thing across the line from the sponsor point of view because, um, as you said, they don't want you generally to, to mess with their their logo and, and you know, their design. And their branding but, and things and, like and that. And their yeah. branding and everything. But, I mean, so just explain. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very hard thing to get across the line, not only for you guys, but for every team that wants to try to do something, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it can be really difficult. And it depends what the keeper of the, you know, the branding, the, the keeper of the keys is like, as to, you know, usually you're not allowed to stretch it or, you know, move it around at all. And so we want to go back in time. And sometimes you're trying to mix an old uh, an old livery with a sort of a semi-modern brand because a lot of companies won't let you use their old brand, you know, that they've changed it for a reason. So, yeah. so there's usually a lot of, you know, going in, explaining, showing them what, what the look and feel of things are going to be like and convincing them that you're going to get even more exposure for their brand if you let us do it this way. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. So that's why you'll see on some of the retro cars, they have really cool, dated looking branding, but some of the signs don't change. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to just talk about the state of the business at the moment and get your thoughts on it, Brad, because it's widely expected that you're going to expand to four cars next year. And yet we've just seen GRM, unfortunately, leave the category from 2020 onwards. Um, What's the state of play in your mind at the moment? Because 
essentially with you expanding, there's two different sides of the of the cookie here, isn't it? One gone, you're expanding. Uh, yeah, but but you know, the, it, it's really difficult. Like I would say, um, it's as hard as it's ever been to secure partners to sponsor the cars and try and make stuff happen. And and so, so how it works with supercars is there's a date in October, which is the 18th or something, and you have to enter by that day. So what you do is, um, uh, you know, if we were to run four cars, then uh, we'd arguably have two of them with sponsors in place. So that's that's a tick. But some of the two of the other cars, we don't have all the sponsorship in place. So then what you do is you go, uh, okay, I believe I can um, rustle up the money over the space of the 12-month period to hit the budget. And so you take a pun and you enter. Now, with supercars, if you enter and you don't turn up for a race meeting, it's a pretty severe fine. It's $150,000. And if you don't turn up for two races, then it's 150 each one, and they take your licence back off you, you're wrecked. Yeah. Mm. So, the, so the penalties are pretty severe. And so I think what's happened with Gary is he's been doing it for a long time. He's been fantastic in the sport. But he um, and his sponsor had gotten to a point where his sponsor had some demands on him that that he, he couldn't meet, you know, around what he was trying to do within the business. And yep. so for Gary, with the major sponsor, he just wasn't at a point in his life where he was willing to take the punt. Now, he did last year, and he found a sponsor in January, but it's a lot of money. So two cars, that's 600 grand plus whatever the wrecks are worth. So it's a pretty big punt, and, and I totally understand. I'm, I feel saddened, but I totally understand that they were at a point where they just weren't re- ready to make that commitment. And they've got other stuff going on with the S5000s and TCR cars and stuff. But, it's a, a you know, it was a pretty sad day. I rang Gary um, on the Monday and just said to him, look, I just think it's, you know, really sad that, that you've been a stalwart of the sport and, and um, you're going to step away for a while. Mate, um, it is, it is been, and, and we saw that with the amount of, I guess social media that came through from a lot of Gary's drivers that started with with yep. GRM, and um, you know it's it's a bit of a I think a very sad day for it. But the difference between him and you guys, I think, is that he's got that stuff on the side, hasn't he? Like he's got that TCR, the S five thousand stuff. He's got a bit of a business on the side where you're wholly and solely supercars. True, and 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 but but you get to a point you take a punt, and he's not willing to do that. And I totally get that, and. You know, he asks for an extension. I think every year there's a couple of teams that ask for an extension, but the supercars have got commitments as well. They've got to have minimum numbers by, for race means, all sorts of stuff going on. So they've never given an extension before. And, yep. and um, you know, that, that was just all awkward. And but, but as you said, Stevie, you know, our business is very focused on supercar racing. And, um, and Super you know, 2, have, obviously. Yeah, we have... Four VCS cars. We have two Super Two cars and two Super Three cars. So, so it's all you know. It's it's like a stepping stone. You can, when you come to our place, you have the ability to start at Super Three, work through Super Two, and get in the main game. So, um, it's it's a model that works for us. I, you know, there's a point. It, so entering for a season without a sponsor can sometimes be a little bit like going to the casino. So it's it's a it's a pretty you know. There's a lot of working. In getting deals up all year, and and um, you know, as as Steve was saying, they've got a different model to us. But speaking of deals, 
we go back to the the retro round this weekend, you've been able to go not only back in time with your current partners, but you've been able to bring Fujitsu back into the sport after six years. I mean, that's a bit of a coup, I should imagine, because they've been nowhere for a while, and now all of a sudden they come back and the car looks sensational. Thank you. Well, we, we, I mean, we had a, we've had a relationship with them on and off over the years, and and I uh, like to think that when, when we, you know, like a lot of the teams, we work pretty hard at making sure our sponsors are happy, and, you know, you keep on, you keep in touch with people, and it was just a, a good opportunity. They had some some customer stuff they wanted to do. It was about the right time to try and get them back involved at a level. And so um, we put Kim, my brother Kim, put this deal together actually. But uh, the car looks great, and they're you know they've always been fantastic people to do business with. So it is pretty exciting to be able to in these tough times bring someone back into the sport or someone hasn't been there for a while and um, and produce something like we have, which is a a really good-looking car, and hopefully we can we can jag a result for them on the weekend. Hey, mate, uh, just quickly before we go, I wouldn't mind touching, and I know there's probably not too much news, but talking about Timmy Slade and uh, and what he uh, is going to do. I know we've spoken to you about that uh, previously mm-hmm. on the show. Um, we haven't seen, obviously, any updates, and I haven't heard any from you, so I'm guessing it's still uh, under the radar at the moment and, and nothing's been announced or going to be announced uh, within the next sort of week or so? I don't think so. I, I'm, I've, I, to be honest, I've spoken to Tim about it three times. Last yep. time I spoke to him about it was at our debrief last Wednesday and and we're just working through where we're at and what we're going to do. So so I have a great relationship with Tim and, and, um, and we all get along pretty good. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to, you know, where you are in life, the opportunity and money. So there's a whole heap of things that we go through, but we're getting closer and closer to get it sorted out. And it's something that I'd like to have locked away by before the end of the season. It doesn't give us a lot of time. But, um, you know, drivers are one of those things. I don't think I've ever been in a position where I haven't had one. So... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, but we really appreciate you taking some time to have a chat with us uh, before the Sandown 500. But uh, look, unfortunately, we do have to give you one more hard question. We had uh, Macker on the show a while back, and I've just got to find out has he bought a bloody dining table yet? Because he said that, oh, I haven't had time. It's been months, so we need to know. Has he actually got something to eat on? Or is it still that upside-down bloody laundry basket? Can you believe that? That's the exuberance of youth. Not only that, he said to me, hey, great news. I got a haircut for the retro round. He's been with a mullet. And I'm like, I said, that's only going to last for a week, dude. You better get rid of that before a new car. I'll get Blanchard on the air. Well, Brad, as we said, mate, it's always a pleasure to get you on board. We love the support you, you, you and uh, Brad Jones Racing has given uh, the driver's seat in our tenure this year, mate. And all the best this weekend Thank at the Sandown 500 because uh, your cars have done well before there and we look forward to seeing them on a podium again soon. Thanks, guys. Chat soon. This is the driver's seat for Kubota, building Australia. Yeah, welcome back to the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota Building Australia. Nims is all here alongside Matt McKeldin and Stephen Johnson. It is the retro round at Sandown, but uh, there was something pretty big happened in Formula One last week at the Circuit of the Americas. And Lewis Hamilton, he got his sixth title, kind of. <laughs> it, w- it was kind of like watching the sun set or expecting the sun to rise and to set. Lewis was going to take that championship at that race, uh, without doubt. I think he was four points behind going into it. You would have thought he would have 
copped it at Mexico, but he got it in the United States, which is kind of cool because I think he's such a big fan of the United States, and he had lots of uh, he had big Maddie McConaughey in there. Mrs. Mac loved seeing Maddie uh, in these you know aviator sunnies and his big cowboy hat there. Uh, really didn't quite understand what Formula One was all about, I don't think. But anyway, no, it was good. I mean, it was and it wasn't a bad race too, Stevie. It was actually a good race, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was like a good it, race. It was um, one of those ones where I mean, Lewis, he he. He does some stuff that you just think, when like I know he didn't win the race, but you just yeah. go wow, you know, like he yeah. did such a different strategy to everybody else, mm. and for that guy to to make the tyres last as long as he did and yeah. nearly actually snatch that race away from Valtteri, it was, uh, you know, I think just, I think it was all on him. I think he was doing a lot of that from the cockpit. Mm. And, and that's why he's a six-time world champion, isn't he? Absolutely. Because he can actually do that kind of thing. I thought it was really good too, and we're going to talk to Greg Rust in a minute. I really liked how he paid a lot of respect and homage and, and, and really talked about his family being there and his mum and his stepdad and his dad and his stepmom and all that kind of stuff, having all yep. the family together, really uh, talked about his past and how he'd gotten there. And even he was surprised that he was now coming up on Michael Schumacher's uh, championship count. I thought it was, it was good. It was a really good race and really good emotion from Lewis. It was an absolute ripper of an event. But speaking of Greg Rust, we do have the great man on the phone with us. And he joins us now from his uh, secluded palatial estate. Please welcome back to the driver's seat, Greg Rust. I wouldn't describe it as palatial. <laughs> we're good mate it is however an estate uh it may not be palatial but it is an estate we're good mate we're really really good excited of course for the, uh, this weekend and just reflecting on what an incredible effort and what an incredible uh, athlete lewis hamilton was picking up his sixth world championship over the weekend just amazing can i pick up on something that you you boys talked about in the introduction as well about his you know, the depth of his comments and how much family meant and so on. I saw a great uh, thing that he, he did with some young kids very recently that were suffering dyslexia. And uh, he, he was very empathetic with these young kids. And he said, look, you know, you, you, you look at me, I wasn't kind of perfect in that regard. And, and look what I've gone on to, to achieve. You can achieve great things even when you're, uh, you, you're having or, or dealing with something like that. So he's got a really compassionate side to him. As you say, a great thinker in the in the cockpit as well, and and already, um, just, you know, aside of the six world titles, I think all the other milestones chalked up from pole position to race wins, he's absolutely cemented his place in the record books as one of the greats, hasn't he? Well, when you yeah he has mate. When when you look at the stats from him, um, yes, he hasn't quite got the race wins of Schumacher as yet, but he's absolutely killing him on pole positions and and you know so. I think it's inevitable that, that basically he's going to surpass Michael Schumacher in all of those yeah. other aspects, Greg, don't you think, in the next few years? Yeah, I mean, it, the, the, that's the big question mark for me. How far will he go? So I think from memory, his current contract is, is until the end of next year. So let's yep. hypothetically say he was able to chalk up another world championship. You equal the mark of Schumacher. Do you call time then or do you keep pressing on? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because he's... As he outwardly stated, he said, I'm, I feel great. I'm in good form. I feel physically fine. I'm still enjoying it. He said he's in a good space too he's, now he's with all space. of his family. He said he's got his group of family and his friend yep. group. And is his, I guess that's, that's the relaxation for him is to have these people around him. That It's such a manic world that he lives in. Mm. And to be able to have such a stable group of fundamental 
friends and family around him constantly. I think yep. that really has helped him in the last, especially this year. He said it's been his toughest year, even though you probably wouldn't think it with two races to go. He's he's won it, but we don't see a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And and obviously paying tribute to Nicky Lauda in his post race, yep. um, I guess interview that I saw mm. um, was just fantastic. And and those guys, I think, um, really miss. His leadership, and uh, and it was also great hearing from his dad on on Sky F1 as well. I think that was just a really good, good uh, chat, and it was actually good to have um, Nico Rosberg there because obviously they've been pretty fierce rivals in the yes. past. Yep. Um, and to have Nico there interviewing his dad, I think was quite cool. Yeah, super. And and now the other thing to consider all that when we were uh, playing hypothetical a moment ago, would the new generation cars be a huge carrot for him as well? Would he want to? try those and, and uh, try and succeed in those as well before he um, before he wrapped up his career. So, yeah, amazing things that he's achieved and um, just a, a great inspiration in many ways. He's not everyone's cup of tea. He's very, you know, we've, we've talked about it on the radio show before, he's a very Hollywood kind of guy, but, but he takes Formula One uh, into uh, other areas. And, and, you know, you talked about Matthew McConaughey before and things like that. I mean, to get that, that calibre of... of um, a star to the racetrack yep. involved, even if they don't have a depth of knowledge about it, is a great thing. Uh, Greg, I, I want to get your thoughts on Ferrari because they just went missing, didn't they? Like they were absolutely nowhere. They had no pace, and then we saw that uh, that really weird rear right suspension failure from Sebastian Vettel too, which they then called over the radio to Charles Leclerc just to go easy and be careful. But they just went missing after some really good and solid form in recent times. Well, I was lucky enough to go out and work at the Singapore Grand Prix, and that was off the back of Charles Leclerc's victories in Monza and Spa. So, I mean, they had a huge amount of um, momentum at, at that point in time. They clearly had the speed, but they just seemed to have this knack of, of snatching that old line about snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, and, and, and it shouldn't be that way. So but they've got some good people. Um, they clearly have a fast enough... Uh, car and you know in, in the right sort of circumstances. So why can't they keep putting it together? Um, you know, week in, week out, round in, round out type things. So that, that's the big question they'll be dealing with in the off season because they've got to do what Mercedes do every time they roll that car out. They're just super the moment it hits the track. Mate, it's uh, yeah, it's just bizarre, isn't it? How you know, obviously they've been so good now for so many races. And it was always tainted that uh, Ferrari now the, the the benchmark team and the benchmark yeah. car, yeah. Uh, certainly from Spa onwards. But I think there was even uh, inklings of, of that pace before that. They just didn't get it right on the day. Yep. Um, it's just amazing how it can just go south so fast within one race, yeah. you know. And and all of a sudden, um, you know, we're talking about how well back then, you know, a couple of races ago, we're talking about oh Mercedes, they're struggling a bit. They're not the fastest car, and yep. but they always seem to bounce back and get it right when it counts. I tell you, the Ferrari may have gone missing, boys, but I want to get your thoughts on Dan Ricciardo because it, it seems to me that it's, I don't know, there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. There's a little bit of competitiveness there. It seems to be holding together. He's starting to get a little bit out of the car. Would, would you both agree? Or We'll start with you, Greg. Do you agree? Are you seeing a little bit of gold in the bottom of the pan there? Honey badger. Honey Badger. When he pulls that helmet on, he wrestles. He's the smiliest, happiest guy out of the car. You'd almost think he wouldn't be this this 
you know, aggressive kind of brute behind the wheel. But I just love how he is able to to do that. I don't. We've said on the show before. I don't think it's the best set of wheels, but uh, he's made the most of it. And clearly, they've made some progress, albeit with you know some some hiccups along the way. Um, but to, it, that old line that Crompo uses about it's a bit of sugar. They need a bit of sugar there, and, and so to see. <laughs> And I just love the antics out of the car. I mean, when he was doing the American impersonations and stuff, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love so it. good. And that's what they need. Formula One need him. Like oh, I agree. It's very stale without him. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, what they've, they've had a pretty torrid lead-up in the last couple of races with with their, after Japan especially, with their break by disqualification because of yeah, the, or the disqualification from... Uh, protest from a from another team. I think it was Racing, Racing Point, Point. Yep. that uh, processed their brake bias system, and I believe that all come about from a YouTube video of Danny Rick driving the Renault for the first time from a helmet cam. So that's what my really yeah. that's what your secret squirrel yeah. spies have told you. So anyway, so um, it, it's it's been a bit of a torrid time for them. They obviously decided not to carry on. Greg with uh, with fighting that and just get on with it and and to then be to the be best of the rest and uh, not that you want to be best of the rest but best of the rest and, and beating that's both a, McLaren that's an improvement. guys that's an improvement absolutely from where they've been, yeah. beating both of the, both of the McLaren guys I think I think they're definitely on the right track especially on a track uh, on a track like Texas mm. yeah most definitely and and you know qualified strong executed well in the race and um, hopefully that can you know keep going for the remainder of the season. One thing I, I probably should say is that, that how good was the podium in Mexico? If only he'd sealed the World Championship there, <laughs> the way that Lewis, you know, was, was elevated with that hydraulic system up onto the, the podium. Yeah, was cool. Mega, wasn't it? The show on the podiums is getting very good. I mean, if you imagine if we had that in supercar and then SVG just jumps off the podium and does the bottle drop and goes everywhere. I mean, I'll get your thoughts, Greg, because we're obviously at um, uh, Sandown weekend, the final round of our Enduros. bit emotional for me because no no Enduros for Sandown next year. What are your thoughts on Sandown being dropped in the, and then uh, Tail and Bend being part of the Endurance Championship next year? I struggle. I struggle with a little bit, guys, because yeah. um, what Sam Shazin and the team have done in, in South Australia is excellent. They both you know, we need that kind of investment in in proper circuits in Australia. So for the family to step out and do that is is phenomenal. But I, I'm an old school purist at the same time. I, I don't like the fact, if I'm brutally honest, this year that Sandown, uh, because of what they've done with the calendar, was yep. after Bathurst. It's the precursor for me. It has always or has been for such a long time. I know we've moved it around and we've had a Queensland event or a, a Phillip Island in Euro and so on. But for me... Sandown is the place. We should have the 500 there for us as long as it remains in existence. And I know it's on borrowed time. I know that. But for so long as it's there, I'd love to see the 500 stay, see that chapter through, and have it be the precursor to Bathurst. That's cool. Just for me, it just doesn't seem right. And, no. and I think, I know, you know, you might think, oh, you know, you know you've got to change at some point. But I don't know, like, there always seemed to be that, um, that lead-up, Rusty, to to Bathurst, it was always good, it was always exciting racing there, I just don't think it's a venue, and unfortunately it's not going to be there next year, but I don't think it's a venue for the end of the Pertec Enduro Cup, to me, it just doesn't feel right. Not at all, not at all. Agreed mate, 100%, and the one, um, you know, I'm always a glass half full kind of person, I love the retro round, I mean some of the the unveilings we've seen during the week of 
of liveries, the, the, the Bob Morris livery that's on the, the Techno car. I love that. And the, the one that Erebus have done to kind of tip the hat to Jimmy Richards and the, and the famous black and gold colour scheme, that is super cool. That's hot, isn't it? I love Retro Round. It's very, very cool. Very, very cool. Rusty, it's always a pleasure to get you on, mate. And just for anyone out there, I know we talk F1, but the latest edition of uh, Rusty's Garage is absolutely a banger. Michael Massey joins you, and it's a hell of a chat, too. For a guy, we always love seeing Aussies do well abroad, and you want to talk about a success story. It's a fantastic tale, Rusty. Thank you, mate. I, I wanted to do something that was a little different from just drivers and a couple of the engineers that I've done because I think it's a story that... Not many people know. Um, he'd never done a podcast before, and it's just it's a good story that Australian motorsport should, should celebrate. And he's a, a quiet guy, but as you boys know, has worked very yeah. hard um, to get to where he is now. Not only that, you can check out uh, the latest edition of Dunlop Young Guns too. We've got the one, the full wrap-up of uh, all the Super 2 after after Sandown this weekend. And, Rusty, is there anything else that I've forgotten to plug? I don't, I don't currently have a sponsorship deal with a hair product company. I'm running, I'm running original grey, so... Uh, <laughs> you used, you used to have a deal, so. didn't you, Stevie J? Yeah, I You used to have a colouring deal, didn't you? Oh, I used to have a colouring deal, You yeah. used to frost the tips a little bit back in the yeah, day? Yeah, mate, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> hey, we, we need to, you and I need to put a prop together. We could, we could do a, like a, you know, just for men, for plastic chunks or something, right? <laughs> Just be lucky. Mate, I, I, just be lucky. Both of you boys still have hair, let alone being oh, grey. Yeah. I was going to say a bit insensitive talking about hair when you look at Nimsy over there, who uh, is, is currently running the cue ball look. The, the funny thing was that one year at Adelaide, when I just done my hair, it was like a new blue black. It was really dark. It was apparently it was really cool. Blue black. Yeah, it was blue black. And, I think I remember this. And you know, the, you know the drum was after first practice. I pulled my white balaclava off, and it was black. Oh no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was no good. We should have a talk about that one day, just as we uh, completely run off the rails here, about who, which drivers over the last 20 years have dyed their hair. <laughs> I'm going to say two of the all-time greats would have been Stevie Johnson and Warren Luff. I reckon <laughs> Warren gets a fair old frosting of the tips between races. Still does it now. I know. Put, put it this way, I, I, I had to do an interview very recently with a Kiwi driver who may or may not be in race control these days. And, uh, he <laughs> came back to me and he said, oh, is this, is this on camera or just for the podcast? I said, no, mate, it's, uh, it's on camera. And the response I got back via text was, right, I better get the blow wave in. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want to mention names because that will embarrass Beardo terribly. <laughs> <if you laughs> do that. That'll be awful. Well, before we get before we get uh, before we get race control to shut the show down, we'll we'll close this chapter. Rusty, always a pleasure to get you on, big fella, and uh, no doubt we'll chat soon. This Formula One report brought to you by Just for Men. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rusty. This is the driver's seat for Kubota, building Australia. Welcome back to the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. Together, we're building Australia. And right now, before we wrap up, let's get into our Bendix Brakes Big Moment. Now on the driver's seat, another Bendix Brakes Big Moment. Bendix, Australian technology for all-weather confident braking. That's right. When it's time to change your brakes, fit Bendix Brakes and don't accept anything less. Now, we've... Forgot to mention this at the top of the show, but uh, a very big record is going to be well set. Craig Lowndes will be the first driver in Australian Touring Car Championship and Supercars Championship history to make 200 round starts with a single team. That is an amazing stat. That's massive. Isn't that's it? crazy. I mean, that's that's like. Um... But that's 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 bigger than 
the John Bauer, Dick Johnson yeah. racing marriage that yeah. uh, it's the longest marriage JB's ever had, to be fair. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> so um, that was that was up until recently. That was obviously the the longest sort of partnership driver combo for yep. for as long as I can remember. And yep. this one this one's massive, like Lounsey in the current era, uh, and you know. Still winning races, you know. Still, still so still competitive. Still so competitive. He's the Cooper Cronk, isn't he, of, of motorsport? <laughs> yeah. I think Cooper. What did Cooper, uh, Cooper play? Uh, Four hundred and sixty games, or yeah. something stupid like that. His body's not broken in half, and and here's Lounge. He just rolls out of the commentary box, whip smart, whip quick. He's one out of the box, isn't he? It's what, funny. An ama- what an amazing stat in our sport. It's actually funny that you say that because people that might not watch motorsport would think, oh, yeah, it's one of those little exaggerations. Where, yeah, he gets it out of the country box, jumps in the car, races. No, that's literally what he did. Like, crazy. <laughs> like... It's just crazy. So good. So good. We could we could all dream of having a career like like Lounsey, I reckon. Absolutely. It is a dream now because yours and mine are over, really. So. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, not, I, I, I never got there, so... The thing that I want to ask you, though, is, like, who needed who more at the start of uh, this little Triple Eight Craigland's marriage here? Was it Triple uh, Eight to sort of establish themselves as a as a player in Australia, or was it Lounsey who just needed a team to jump on board? A little bit of column A, a little bit yep. of column B, yep. I reckon. I, I reckon they've been sensational for each other, I think. Um, they they were a powerhouse overseas before they come here. Yeah. And... and Knowingly, that obviously buying John Briggs Motorsport at the time, yep. uh, based themselves in uh, in Brisbane, and that was a good. I guess Steve Ellery drove for them yep. in the first Your year. Your mate Steve. Yep, and you know that that really well, obviously that was rolled on from uh, Radisich as well. There's, yes. there's been some quite good drivers there, but obviously Lounsey, he was you know he was the guru, right? And he was for many many years. So for, to get. A big, big draw. I'm not saying Radisic and, and Steve yep. Ellery wasn't. They were as yep. good as anybody on their day. But to get a Lounsey who had won championships, uh, won Bathursts, mm. um, and then to come across uh, to Triple Eight, do what they did. Um, Jamie Winkup was just a young guy then. And that's that. That's where I think the true legacy of Lounsey Triple Eight yep. lies, is that he was able to put his arm around Jamie and say... Right, I champ. Here you go. This is what you have to do. And then, to Jamie's credit, obviously he changed his driving style and all that kind of stuff to be a bit more like Lounge. Yep. And bang, the success was there. So, um, you know, you're you're only as good as the people around you. And I think Jamie Wincup would not have been as good as he has is and has been without C Lounge. I think yep. that's and Triple Eight and Triple Eight. I think that's one of Craig's biggest legacies within that team. Yeah, certainly is. And that wraps up our Bendix Breaks big moment. Bendix Australian Technology for all-weather confident baking. Baking? Breaking. Um, but uh, that wrap, But good luck this weekend, Stevie. But uh, that, that Thanks, about wraps mate. up another big edition of the driver's seat. <laughs> if you are going to the Sandown 500 and you do happen to spot any of us down there, well, you won't spot Manny, but if you spot... Uh, no, <laughs> you're not going to spot me. If I'm not racing these days, mate, I don't go to a racetrack. No, I'm joking. I shouldn't say. But if you do spot us, say day. But uh, if not, we'll d- wrap it all up again same time next week here on the driver's seat. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91